When it comes to your health, we could all use a little help. Join hosts Rachel Kukaji and Director of Health Services Brock Lutz each week as they talk with health professionals about their areas of expertise to give you tips on how to live well in every aspect of your life. This show is for everyone. Whether you're looking for nutritional advice or need guidance to improve your emotional well-being, Wellness Weekly is a great place to start. Tune in on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Hello and welcome back to Wellness Weekly. I'm Rachel Kukaji. And I'm Brock Lutz. And today we are here with Lindsay Pierce, another counselor with the Hillsdale College Health Services. Welcome, Lindsay. And if you could tell us a little bit about your background, for starters. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, Yes, I, like Rachel said, I am a mental health counselor here on Hillsdale College's campus. I am a 2016 graduate of the college, um, studied psychology here, and was on the women's tennis team and was also a part of the Chi Omega fraternity on campus. Um, After I graduated, I moved to Chicago to get my master's in counseling psychology. Um, So I lived and worked there and studied for three years um, and then had the absolute like privilege and blessing to be given the opportunity to come back here to Hillsdale and work at the college and um, kind of split my time between the athletic department and the health center providing mental health resources and support um, to the campus and and community. And was that something you had a desire to come back to Hillsdale when you were studying here or studying a master's or did that just come later? Definitely not to come back to Hillsdale Mm -hmm. in general. I think what my experience with receiving kind of mental health services and support from um, the health center here and the the Hillsdale College community and staff um, drew me to wanting to work with college students or work um, in a college or university setting. And so I actually applied to a handful of internships in the Chicagoland area um, for colleges and universities and unfortunately did not get that opportunity, Um, but worked, ended up working out really well. And so I knew that that was an interest in a population and a Mm -hmm. setting that um, I wanted experience in. So when that setting that really drew me to college age students was Hillsdale College was kind of opening those doors, Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't kind of turn that down. Well, we're here to talk about anxiety, something that you talk a lot about on campus. And just uh, as we start off, how would you define anxiety? Um, And something that we often discuss with students is how would you differentiate it from stress or is there a difference how would you how would you define mm-hmm. that yes those two stress and anxiety can definitely definitely be used quite a bit interchangeably um and sometimes not necessarily inaccurately uh and other times it can uh, be a little more kind of inaccurately representative of what someone might be experiencing or struggling with or kind of how best to to approach either of those. Um, so typically to kind of differentiate stress is more um, caused by an external trigger and more short-term 
um, it can it can be long term, but what the difference is is that it usually subsides or lessens when that external trigger goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, so anxiety is then seen as more um, persistent and excessive in worry. Um, that when the absence of that stressor um, or something external does goes away, it's not resolved. Um, and really the anxiety is more of an internal reaction, um, an internal response to a stress, to a situation, um, to a trigger. Mm-hmm. And, and stress is... Uh, kind of more the natural reaction mm-hmm. to those things going on around us. Mm-hmm. When someone's experiencing anxiety, since that maybe is the more, a little bit more serious um, manifestation of the same thing, what does it look like? Like, w- how does it get manifested? Mm-hmm. Sure. So a lot of times we'll look at mental, emotional, and physical symptoms um, or responses that happen uh, uh, for us. So that can look like irritability, um, anger, um, so more physical, it can be fatigue, tiredness, um, even like muscle pain and muscle tension, Mm -hmm. especially over time. Uh, A big one that is fairly common, like digestive troubles Mm -hmm. or nausea, and then kind of naturally over time too, difficulty sleeping, also sleeping too much, um, and then difficulty concentrating mm-hmm. or being able to be fully present and focused mm-hmm. in moments. What about sometimes the way people will describe someone as saying they're an anxious person? Is that the same as anxiety? Because sometimes anxiety we're talking about is like a symptoms is something you want to change. Where sometimes when people say an anxious person is like a personality thing that Hmm. people peg it as not something that they can change. That's a really good question. And honestly, I don't fully know if I've kind of drawn that distinction between the two or even given space to look at them as possibly... Mm -hmm separate but do you think there's is there a danger in pegging it as a personality thing and not something we can Hmm. manage or change like when we say that well that person's just Just anxious anxious. yeah or when people put on themselves and say oh i just get anxious it's Mm -hmm. fine it's really not fine but they're like functioning anxiety Mm -hmm. i think it can be um in a couple ways that just kind of came to mind in terms Mm -hmm. of does that incorrectly put responsibility on somebody else or on ourselves Mm -hmm. or incorrectly meaning it doesn't put responsibility Mm -hmm. on somebody else or on ourselves. Um, And then two, like, are we, are we limiting ourselves? Are we restricting our ability to be flexible and, and to be able to, to change and mm-hmm. um, to try other other things in life or other ways of of thinking and interacting with others that could help that natural mm-hmm. oh they're an anxious person mm-hmm. um, experience so you know are we kind of pigeonholing 
ourselves or other people when we put that label on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those definitely are possibilities and, and things that could have um, an unhelpful effect. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's so in- important how we think about these things for ourselves or as as clinicians, how we think about them to other people, because you're right. I think that um, that if, if there's a general mentality that I am anxious or I am depressed or I am bipolar, I remember in grad school, one of the professors saying, you know, we don't personalize things like that in the medical field. Like mm-hmm. no one says, I am cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, I have cancer or I'm suffering from cancer. Right. And yet somehow when we move into emotional or mental health diagnoses, they they can seem to um, to kind of color us completely at times. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I think that if, if we if we conceptualize it like that, it could lead to us not taking responsibility for things that are ours mm-hmm. in some way, shape mm-hmm. or form. So. Yeah. Person first diagnosis, struggle, challenge, you know, even if it isn't a true diagnosis, Mm -hmm. those things second, Mm -hmm. you know, so maybe then a shift for some people instead of saying, oh, she's an anxious person, oh, she struggles with anxiousness or Mm -hmm. struggles with anxiety. Mm -hmm. It's essentially kind of saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just that label piece that Mm -hmm. I think... Um, opens up a lot more possibilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think also if it is someone who is struggling to manage it and not just existing in it, it's also a more respectful way of acknowledging that that's just not just how they are, mm-hmm. but that's something that they're working on. Kind and that it doesn't have to define everything about that person. Yes. You know, I, mean, I think it's, then it's not, they're not seeing every thing in their life through the lens of mm-hmm. their their not just a diagnosis but their identity if mm-hmm. i if i am depressed then boy maybe that colors everything mm-hmm. and sometimes when people are depressed or anxious they describe it like that mm-hmm. and yet we we also it is important i i would think that that we separate well you are an emotional person but you also have thoughts and mm-hmm. you have a body and mm-hmm. you know other things as well so mm-hmm. You're listening to Wellness Weekly on Radio Free Hillsdale 11.7 FM, and Brock and I are talking with Hillsdale College mental health counselor Lindsay Pierce about stress and anxiety. We've talked a lot about defining anxiety and more or less identifying it. What are some ways that people can work on anxiety and stress if they struggle with that? Sure. A good place to start is with looking at and and working to differentiate what does healthy and helpful stress and anxiety look like in somebody's life or even being able to identify that and and see that that's true there actually is healthy and helpful stress and anxiety in our lives as humans and and so looking at that and being able to identify it to then in a healthy way separate out okay where might this be unhealthy and unhelpful and really be getting to impact or affect my functioning, my ability to um, get responsibilities and um, tasks done to be social and interact with others. Um, many, 
many of those things uh, that we will become present when we are looking more specifically at the unhealthy and unhelpful. So mm-hmm. that's always, I think, a good place to start. And more recently, a lot of places, a lot of, a lot of clients, a lot of students, where I start with them. What are what are some other specific things that you might have students do that you work with? over time um, to learn how to either develop some of those, you know, a way to develop or to identify if, they're, uh, if their thoughts are anxious or, uh, or just strategies to decrease their overall feelings of, of anxiety. Sure. One of my kind of initial go-tos and suggestions is to kind of track your anxiety. So, looking at okay what what happened what emotions was i experiencing what thoughts was i having and what physical symptoms was i experiencing Mm. and then did i do anything to respond to it whether if it was healthy and helpful or not so much and then what was kind of the outcome and and the response after and tracking a few of those over time and then going back and looking and create looking to create your own kind of scale of okay this is more like a two or three on the anxiety and stress intensity level and and i know that i can manage and, and cope with that and respond to it in certain ways okay but this is more of like an eight or a nine this is serious this is going to be more difficult. It's going to have a greater effect on me, and I might have to respond to it in in a more kind of specific way. Um, and a lot of times, people will experience that. Oh, okay, I was just kind of generalizing all my anxiety into this one big overwhelming experience when there are a handful of naturally anxiety inducing things throughout a day that are very manageable. Mm. And, and so I think differentiating the level and intensity um, is another helpful thing. And just the process of, of processing through it, of writing it out um, can be really helpful to get out of our own heads and, and see what those emotions, thoughts and physical experiences mm. were. Mm. Especially in terms of physical or how physical affects the mental. And you mentioned that you work some with the athletic department and you are a tennis player here. Have you found that working out or other athletic activity helps that? So there are definitely huge benefits to physical activity and movement Mm -hmm. to help with natural levels of stress and anxiety and excessive or increased levels of stress and anxiety. Um, So I always first check in on that with students of what's sleep like, what is sleep schedule, what is fueling yourself look like, and what is your movement look like? And and movement in many ways, you know, Mm -hmm. going for a walk, taking uh, 30 minutes of your lunch to, to go for a walk, listen to a podcast, listen to music, or do yoga in the morning when you wake up or before you go to bed to help you calm down or lift weights with friends and go for a two mile run. You know, such a, a myriad of different 
movement that can be done to be helpful for stress and anxiety management. Mm -hmm. And there is this kind of tight rope walking this balance of scheduling that into your days and your weeks while also being aware and and having reasonable expectations to what your other priorities and mm-hmm. responsibilities are. So there is kind of this this tightrope balance of mm-hmm. how do I engage in that movement and exercise to help the time when I am studying and focusing and doing work but then how how do I not engage in it so much that mm-hmm. it then has a negative impact on the anxiety within doing school and work. Mm. Mm-hmm. There was a, a speaker on campus in the fall, uh, uh, Dr. Kevin Majors. I don't know if you were able to hear the talk. It was in the chapel. Um, and he spoke about anxiety as a clinical psychologist. He talked a lot about mindfulness and engaging in kind of mindful sort of things. Um, but that, that, that's a term that I, I don't know if, if most people outside of like the clinical setting would necessarily be um, familiar with. What, what is mindfulness? Because you hear that used a lot in reference to anxiety and how to manage anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness definitely to me and, and observing kind of the interactions in the world around me has gotten this kind of like foo-foo or um kind of new agey sort of feel or something like that kind of new agey like Mm -hmm. a fad Mm -hmm. um when really i kind of view mindfulness as the ability to be present with yourself be present with others Mm -hmm. and to watch your thinking and to pay attention to it there are examples of exercises and activities and kind of guided things that can work us and walk us to being able to be mindful and be present. Could um, you give an example of one of those things? Sure. Of I have so putting you on the spot. I have so many that <laughs> I love. I'd have to say kind of my go-to is what I generally call leaves on a stream. Hmm or it can be cars on the road or clouds in the sky Mm -hmm. or boxes on a conveyor belt. Um, Physically looking at something that is moving by Mm -hmm. or mentally and, and through imagery picturing something that is moving by Mm -hmm. and being really sensory in that. So, through your sight if you can physically see it or you can kind of imagine that so picturing you're sitting um sitting along a river in the woods and and you can see the river flowing by and it's in the fall and you can see the leaves falling and then you can hear the crunch of leaves and maybe the trickle of the river and you can smell kind of that freshness so getting all those sensories in can be really helpful to get kind of present in the reality or in kind of that imagery. Um, And then picking something that is moving. So if you see a leaf in this imagery fall on the river and start floating by, you're then beginning to watch 
and pay attention to your thinking in that process mm. and kind of planting that thought or emotion or idea on that leaf and, and letting it kind of move along. And then the next one kind of goes. And then I always encourage that if the river is the example, like the river is not outside of you, it's still like within your mind and it's a part of you. It's just kind of passing along and, and moving by for later if you want to come back to it or if you need to. You know, a lot of times we don't necessarily need to. Um, and so that can be a really kind of concrete, imaginative t- as well way to move towards mindfulness or being present with your thoughts. Hmm. Before we go, any final advice you'd like to share sure. with our people? Well, one of the cheapest, it's actually free, um, free ways to to manage anxiety and stress and to get more present is to simply focus on breathing and engage in that for even a few moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's many different types of breathing exercises that are really helpful. Um, Box breathing. So another kind of imagery thing, you can picture a box out in front of you and follow the sides as you're breathing in, breathing out, or even breathing in and holding and then breathing out. Um, More diaphragmatic breathing of having your hand on your chest and hand on your stomach and really feeling the movement of the breath through your body. And um, even breath work while praying or breath work while engaging in an exercise like leaves on a stream or other mindfulness activities or breath work while walking. Um, again, it's like you said, that intentionality of, of something that we do every day without really thinking about. And so if we can kind of watch it, watch our breath and watch our thinking, how it can really slow us down and, and bring us more into the present. Thank you so much for your time, Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Wellness Weekly on Radio Free Hillsville 101.7 FM. I'm your host, Rachel Kukaji. And I'm Brock Lutz. And we will be back next week to talk with Academic Services Director Christy Meyer about perfectionism.